Welcome to the FHE Podcast, hosted by Amy and Maddie. We are the Fruity Horny Exmos. Welcome back to the FHE Podcast. We are really excited about today's episode. Um, it's obviously been a minute. We've taken a bit of a hiatus because yep. life is complicated. But <laughs> um, before we introduce our guests, a little update on our front. What happened this week, Maddie? Um, we got engaged. That's right. So anyway, um, yeah. that's a, just, you know, a little update. Maybe we'll tell the story another time. But for yeah. today's purposes, we're going to introduce our guests. Um if you are on Twitter, which I am heavily on Twitter, <laughs> um, you and if you're in Exmo Twitter in particular, you may or may not have seen tweets from at White Cat Prophecy. And we are so excited to be able to have the mind behind White Cat Prophecy <laughs> on our podcast today. <laughs> um, we will be keeping their real names anonymous. So for this episode purpose, we will be calling them Ben and Carly. So... We're really excited to have you guys here. Welcome to the FHG podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. And congrats to you both, too. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, we're really excited. Also, we should probably disclose Ben is like the real mind. And every once in a while, I'll like be like, hey, this is really funny. And I thought of it. Can you tweet it? But mostly, I'm just here for moral support. Love it. We're glad you're here. Yeah, we're glad you're both here, for sure. So if again, if you don't know at White Cat Prophecy on Twitter, I'm just gonna throw your handle out there all the time. Um, <laughs> they really go into they Ben really goes into um, some kind of just cringy church documents. And I personally love it. Obviously, we've done that on our podcast already before and we're going to continue to do it we have a whole slew of books that we're going to go into so really excited to hear what ben has for us today and we're just going to kind of be along for the ride yeah so um but first before we get into the topic ben and carly are gonna tell us a bit more about their story and kind of how they came to be here i mean if you're on the fhe podcast You've had some kind of journey. So (laughs) let's just say that. So yes, we'd love to hear more of your story. Yeah, thanks. So the first part of this, yeah, we'll just kind of explain both of our story. We'll give it kind of chronologically (laughs) um, and after however long that takes, then we'll go into some fun um, manuals and learn from the church how we should approach some topics around home, home homosexuality um that's also a good time to introduce so i do have a stutter sometimes it shows up sometimes it doesn't um i mainly mention it not only because it will come up later in the story but also because if i'm talking and then you hear a pause that is not your video buffering that is me (laughs) buffering (laughs) absolutely so um without further ado yeah so i'll kind of start things off so i was born in rexburg and raised in the area there um, grew up there till I left home for my mission. I was, you know, born of goodly parents, raised in a very Mormon family, all that, loved it, was always really in it. Um, maybe a couple stories just to illustrate like the kind of like a cultural environment it was. Um, so we grew up kind of in the shadow of the teachings of Ezra Taft Benson. And like what I mean by that is like, he's kind of the one who is responsible for so much of the church's 
right-wing leanings and when you hear like right-wing extremism that is blended into church doctrine that typically came from Ezra Taft Benson okay my the area where I lived we just everybody was embracing that kind of thing so for example the high uh, high priest group leader lived in a concrete windowless bunker my whole life there actually were like several families that shared this giant like warehouse thing that was this like in Rexburg bunker um outside of Rexburg okay I was like I lived in Rexburg I was like where was this (laughs) yeah yeah so um this is like the heart of Idaho Mormondom Mm -hmm. okay um, like I thought I grew up Mormon and then like, and I, I did, but <laughs> then I met Ben's family and I was like, oh, you guys talk about this a lot. Wow, like this okay. is okay. <laughs> yeah. My, my home ward was maybe particularly right wing, but not, not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fairly representative of the area. We just had maybe a higher concentration of some of the most extreme people. Sure. And so this like stuff actually didn't even come into my faith crisis very much these are just like fun facts but like (laughs) these are really fun Mm -hmm. so the bishop um and his wife did not trust the medical establishment yikes okay um Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm fairly sure some of their kids were delivered by like untrained midwives in their home um it's kind of like if ministering sisters (laughs) right (laughs) if you read tara westover's book yeah i was just gonna say Mm -hmm. it sounds like educated it's like one step short of educated like it's not quite their level of extremeness but like stuff like that yeah the the guy who was the bishop of my childhood and then became the stake patriarch, his adult son lived in our ward. And one time he was the Sunday school teacher for my brother when he was like 14, mm-hmm. took him aside and invited him to be part of his militia. <laughs> Very so normal. Just yeah, just a normal that. day. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. all that kind of stuff. That's kind of the environment I grew up in in the 90s. Cool. So what you're saying is I made the show again, but I want more attention for it. So you grew up instead of not everyone was QAnon, but like a sprinkling. They were QAnon before it was cool. Oh. (laughs) Wow. Setting the trend. Yeah. Um, So all kinds of stuff I could go into there. But that's that's the environment I grew up in. And even the most extreme things like my parents, you know, weren't like extreme preppers. and, you know, they weren't like the extreme right wing, but we would just kind of laugh off some of that stuff. We definitely yeah. never really considered like how church teachings or prophets had kind of given rise to that. Sure. Um, so I was always very into it. I loved the church, believed in it wholeheartedly with everything. Um, I went on my mission to Arizona when I was 19. Okay. And I mean, I would say like my first area was where the very first cracks in my faith started, even though I didn't recognize that till years later, because that was the first time in my life where like, A, I really had been around non-members very much, Mm -hmm. and B, had to really like have anything challenged. So for example, there were actually several times where we would be teaching someone who was a very sincere seeker of truth, and they'd be fasting and praying and, um, and reading scriptures and like asking God, whether they should join our church or another church. Yeah. And on multiple occasions, they felt very sincere promptings to join another church. Mm. And in one case, it was the community of Christ, you know, which oh, we consider yeah. this like offshoot of us. <laughs> and They're wrong. They're so, wrong people. And right. obviously we were taught to kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's, th- 
they're probably not in the right frame of mind to seek their answer or something, but I, it bothered me because they were. Yeah. And so I, I kind of just had to put that one on the shelf. I actually, I actually kind of justified that. I found this, this conference talk that mentions King Cyrus in the Old Testament, who was the king, I want to say of Assyria, who let the Jews return to Israel. Mm-hmm. And there was this talk about how sometimes the Lord uses people outside the church to accomplish his works, and he lets them find the truth in their own due time, but he needs them outside of the church. And so I use that to be like, oh, sometimes God just lets people not discover that his church is the Mormon church, you know? Yeah. So that's just an example of how I um, was seeing cracks and looking for justifications. Sure. Um, there also were more things that lined up. That's when I learned about Joseph Smith's polyandry and things like that. And it just was all kind of whatever. And sexual abuse. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Everything like it there. was polyandry, but also like I feel like we would be remiss to say that it was just polygamy because like clearly it was more. Okay. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, but it, it also, one thing that weighed on me that has recently weighed on me more is, you know, so I have this stutter at the time it was like a hundred times more extreme and it was, it was like so much like it could take me like a full minute to introduce myself type thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, doing a lesson, especially for the first half of my mission was like almost impossible. Sure. And I was kind of like that token, like stuttering missionary guy. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've thought about more recently, especially since we've left is there was never any time where someone came to me and said, Hey, you don't have to do this. Like there are other options. You are no less faithful that that was, that never happened. I was Mm -hmm. always the inspiration porn. I was always someone's enzyme story. Yeah. And they cheered me on when I was this faithful guy who just endured it at the cost of my own mental health and well-being, yeah. uh, because it really was a great faith-promoting story for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that I didn't see it in that light for a long time, but that comes up again kind of later. So I came home, went to both BYUs, gradually became more nuanced. Um And, you know, gradually, like 2014, 2015, saw more friends starting to leave the church. And even as I started to have a couple doubts here and there, I was totally in. I remember in 2015, when it felt like more active members started to leave, Mm -hmm. I had a phase where I, I knew everyone in my circle who had left and I would pray for them by name every night. Wow. Like that was how personally I took it all and how much. I believed in it all. Um, 2015 or 2016, I started to really consider what it meant to know that the church is true. And at some point, I admitted to myself that it didn't make sense to say that I knew the church was true. And so I promised myself that if I recognized that I didn't know it was true, I would admit that and live that as my truth. And as soon as I did that, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know it. I believe in it. I want it to be true. I don't know. And that was kind of the first big step for me. Sure. I'll just continue up until the point where I met Carly and then she'll go back and tell her story. Okay, perfect. So at this point, we're at about 2016. I'm becoming a little bit more nuanced in my understanding of the church, but still very committed to it. Um, I had admitted to myself that I don't know that the church is true. 
And that does kind of bring me to the next thing to unwind, which is, well, if I don't know that it's true, I think a lot of members don't know that it's true. And that begs the question of why our our culture in the church celebrates saying that we know the church is true and why the leadership is okay with this being propagated when that is like a really, really key distinction Mm -hmm. in when you consider how important faith is in the church and in the plan of salvation and mortality and why they're they're just fine with us all kind of fooling ourselves as to our relationship with the knowledge of the church. Yeah. So, so I'm wrestling with that. Um, and gradually, you know, 2016, I think is the point where I'm like, I, I'm not sure what's true, but I want the church to be true and I believe in it. And I was kind of going downhill as members would define it. Um, and then that summer, they made me Elvis Corn president in my singles ward. And I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to get it together and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to hang on to this. And that kind of gave me this like spiritual boost of like the commitment and like determination there. And I tried to serve faithfully in that calling and that like rejuvenated um, me a little bit. Um, and then I, I went back to BYU-Idaho for my final year and met Carly. I'm going to do like the record scratch freeze frame. (laughs) So I grew up in California um, to a very faithful, committed LDS family who also prided ourselves in, I mean, I was going to say prided ourselves in not, um, not being like extreme, like still being quote unquote normal people. So you didn't live in a windowless bunker. We did not live in a windowless <laughs> bunker. Wow. Um, like for example, when I got into um, Laurels and Young Women's, my mom was my young one of my young women's leaders, and she always um, she was the the least awkward about it. So she was always designated to teach the like the chastity lessons. And I remember her very clearly and distinctly saying, cause like you still have to listen to a chastity lesson from your mom or your friend's mom. And that's weird. Yeah. But she was like, okay, so like, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Sex is really fun, uh, but don't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, right. And, so I, and like, now I appreciate her not saying, and at the time I also appreciated her like acknowledging like sex is good. And like, you can, have a good relationship with sex, but like, don't do it until you're married. Yeah. Cause yeah. so it was kind of like, and a lot of things were like that, like, um, like, a, like kind of adjusting things a little bit to fit the needs and make them more, um, what the church would say acceptable in the world's eyes. Or like, for example, in high school, I was, um, pro-choice but I would never get an abortion right like <laughs> so it, 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 it was and obviously like that's very different from what I believe now right um but anyway long pioneer history my grandpa is a very quote-unquote successful in the church's eyes convert has been a member since like he was early 20s and there my family is very faithful and has a long history of being very faithful as well as Ben's I should add they also same like yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would um, describe myself as up until college, 
um, kind of a blind faith, but I made lots of justifications and adjusted the church uh, to align more with my, I, would, I was an apologetic, um, which now I hate. Um, but anyway, um, I tried, I went to BYUI because it was cheap and I got in there and it was like one of two schools that I applied to. And I was like, hey, maybe I'll get married and be a successful Mormon housewife. And because I didn't want to have a job anyway, um, which, again, very narrow minded. Yeah. Just a lot of a lot of this. I'm just going to say blanket. I do not think this way anymore. And I am working on bettering myself constantly. But anyway, um, so in college, I tried to be really, really by the book, um, mostly because I thought I was bettering myself because the church teaches that being Christ-like is being kind to people. And I I really liked that. Um, But also admittedly, because I wanted to be a more faithful member in preparation for my husband and my future family. um, And all the cutest boys were the Elders Quorum presidents, and I knew that I would never have a shot if I wasn't, um, <laughs> but anyway, so I, I met Ben and for context, I had in the past, I had broken up with boys because they didn't go on a mission or they weren't faithful enough. And like, I was so annoying, but anyway, um, I met Ben and, um, my dating philosophy was they got to love God first and then me second. Which Oof. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, um, uh, that's heavy there. Right? I'm like... Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> and like for context, because like Ben was figuring out his stuff with the church. He never lied to me. He never led me on. And I know a lot of like our families think or thought that, that he had like tricked me. And he never... It was just something that he was still figuring out. And I knew that he wanted to be a member of the church. And I was like this guy is really great and I love him a lot and he is responsible and steady and I trust him. And I still do for the record. Well, and like at the time too, (laughs) it's almost like I almost compensated for my lack of belief kind of with like increased activity in the church. So like, I was very clear to her about like, I don't know that the church is true, but I I hope it is. And I think I believe it and I want it to be. But then I was as active and, doing as much to live it as I possibly could. And so her mm-hmm. family looked at it as like, wow, she's found this really great this righteous priesthood, priesthood holder. holder. We got engaged really fast because Mormon, um, <laughs> which I have to give the disclaimer I wouldn't recommend, but it's worked out. I mean, like, obviously we still have our our own shit, but it worked out for us, but don't do that. From <laughs> dating yeah. to deciding to get engaged was six weeks. So yeah, that's again, yeah, it's, it's been okay for us, but don't recommend that. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got married in early 2018 and the timing here is suspect to our families because it was like later that year that I started going deep into a faith crisis. Yeah. And so both of our families look at it as like we corrupted each other or then later yeah. on they both revise it to like I yeah. corrupted her. Yeah. Sure. Okay. And our marriage was mostly incidental to it. Yeah. It just... um, we were already on our journeys and we help each other in some ways a bit, but we were right. both basically already on that trajectory. Yeah. So in 2018, there were a bunch of things that kind of all piled up for me. 
Um, one of them was I actually started listening to the experiences of LGBT members mm-hmm. um, without trying to like make it conform to the type of story that I wanted it to be. And when I actually listened just open-ended, I realized that the stories and the results were pretty different than I thought they'd be. Sure. Um, I also came to look at the church's, not its history in depth yet, but its history of how it, as it says, changes policies and things. And Mm -hmm. I recognize that even if they were right that doctrine doesn't change but policy does, which isn't true, but anyways. Um, <laughs> the church has no institutional understanding of repentance. And yeah. I'm okay with a church that is imperfect and that is yeah. maybe like as an organization is like it teaches an individual to be, which is imperfect mm-hmm. but constantly changing For the and better. repenting every day and, mm-hmm. and improving. Yeah. The problem is that the church stops teaching bad things sometimes it stops doing the things that shouldn't do but it never owns up to it it never apologizes it never confesses yeah absolutely. and there's no repentance in that no. um if someone were to commit a major sin and then try to pass it off as repentance the church wouldn't give them a temple recommend right no. and it bothered me a lot that the church didn't practice its own most important teaching yeah um, so that was a big thing. And then yeah. finally, this is kind of interesting, but I watched The Handmaid's Tale. Um, <laughs> okay. Ooh, sorry. I love that show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's horrible. But yeah. Also, yes. And yes. what was interesting, and I, I want to be careful here because sure. the church is not Gilead. If you watch <laughs> The Handmaid's Tale, yeah. it's much more extreme <laughs> yeah. than yeah. the church. But it gave me a framework for how a bunch of a kindly, uh, polite old white dudes could believe that they were doing God's work and still condone horrible things. Because mm-hmm. that, up until that point, one of my kind of scaffolds for my faith was like, well, the brethren are so nice. You right. know, they, this can't be a lie. Like, uh, look at them and talk to them. They're just so kind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it made me realize yeah. their intentions really like they can have the best of intentions and that doesn't mean anything for the outcomes and the fruit that they bear in terms of how the church would say it. Sure. Um, And also I don't think they do, but that's off topic. (laughs) But, and, and so that kind of gave me a framework to see like, Oh, uh, someone can, can be doing what they see as God's work and still condone teachings and actions that are terrible. Um, and so by the end of 2018, I was having a lot of doubts. And then what catapulted me finally into the true faith crisis was they changed the temple ceremonies in mm-hmm. early 2019. Mm-hmm. And up until this point, you know, the temple was pretty sexist. Yep. Still is, but not as much. Mm-hmm. And yeah. or in I, ha- yeah. I had <laughs> all kinds of frameworks in my mind for to explain why women had to make covenants to their husbands instead of to god yeah (laughs) and i had worked it out in my head of like here's why that's okay and then they did two things first of all they changed that yeah which begs the question well why did it need to be changed if my frameworks were correct and it was fine before Mm -hmm. and then second of all they released a statement saying nothing about this actually changed we did not uh 
We didn't actually change anything about what covenants women make. Yeah, having grown up, have, hearing people having to repeat the sacrament prayer because they forgot like a past participle or something. Oh I'm like, God. I'm sorry, <laughs> like you're telling me that the covenant is the same, yeah. even though it is obviously very different. Every word in the temple is important. <laughs> is, is what we're all oh taught, right? Yeah, the it's true. Order, they'll say it's up to your interpretation because they don't know all the time. <laughs> but it, was, <laughs> it was very obvious to me that it had totally changed. Mm-hmm. And so like for them to be able to say nothing changed about this meant that there must be no one on the other end of the covenant enforcing it after all. Like there wasn't someone on the other side who wanted it kept them. Right. Um, And so that was the point where I was, I just started to really struggle. Um, And, you know, my, my shelf of doubts turned into a garage of doubts and then to a (laughs) 30 by 10 storage unit of doubts. House of doubt. Bandon, dips, <laughs> house of doubt. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and so fall of 2019. So at some point during that year, I probably stopped believing. I was struggling. I would pray for hours on end. I would read the scriptures. I would scour things like Fair Mormon. Um, and in fall of 2019, I went to my parents and said, I'm really struggling with the church. And I want you to know that to see if they could help. And sure. told me. obviously keep going yeah (laughs) i don't want to like yes okay i i wasn't in the dark this whole time okay okay yeah we kind of had a brief conversation about it and it was uncomfortable for us both and so we knew where we were both yeah yeah you know she was not having the level of doubts i was at this point no i was more like i don't want to think about that my life is i had just realized that i am bisexual and i just come out to ben and he was fabulous well, the, about it. So sorry to interrupt. At no. this point, you hadn't yet. Oh, okay. That, Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. I'm still straight. I'm straight. The <laughs> stage of the story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah take it back. Yeah, take it back. Yeah. Yeah. Take it back. Too soon. I don't like women at all. <laughs> Hate them. Not pot. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but so I went to my parents and I want to be careful with this part because they will come across as villains in this story. Sure. They're not. They're wonderful, loving people. They as a whole, are largely responsible for the good life that I have. Sure. That said, in this context, um, that's not always true. So I went to them and Mm -hmm. there were lots of things that they said. It turned very confrontational really fast. They were threatened by the fact that their obedient, righteous son had doubts. Right. Um, Well, and I think that's partly because the church in part teaches that you are responsible for bringing your children to heaven with you, yeah. to the celestial kingdom with you. And my mom had always said that yeah. her worst fear was one of her kids leaving the church. Because it meant failure as a parent, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, my mom the time, has the same fear. Same, yeah. yeah, my mom said similar things. So anyway, go ahead. At the time, one of my brothers was having health problems that some of his doctors thought maybe cancer at the time. So all the family was kind of on alert with that. Okay. And that was on everybody's minds. And maybe that was responsible for the level of emotion in my parents' reactions. But at one point during the conversation, they implied very clearly that if it were to come down to the family needing to exercise our faith for him to be healed, and if he died, it's possible that could be on me if my faith wasn't there to oh my God. add yep. to theirs. Yep. 
then he, after he would be responsible in part for the death Yikes. of his he would yeah you're anyway, the linchpin <laughs> i uh i have a lot of thoughts and feelings about that but we'll move on yeah after obviously i went home um they told carly that they would rather my brother died than that i leave the church because mm-hmm. um, at least then you would both go to heaven mm-hmm. exactly yeah sad heaven sad that heaven is a, that's i mean i just i that's kind of <laughs> similar to um, some of the things that we've read were like the literal prophets were like, we'd rather you come home in a pine box oh than, than yeah. be gay. Than be gay. Like we'd yeah. rather you die yeah. than yeah. leave the church. We'd rather you die Don't than you be dare yourself. Come home from your mission early for any reason, no matter how justifiable. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so yeah. that's that's wild to hear someone having that mindset like still. Yeah. But also not really that surprised. <laughs> that was- so it's difficult for me to remember because obviously they're still adults and they need to be accountable. But also, they are under the influence of the church. So it's it's kind of like, who's to blame? Is anyone to blame? Is this is it necessary or does it contribute any growth to blame anyone? Like, and it's it's a lot. I'm, it's a lot to process for me, and uh, I'm assuming for you as well. <laughs> well, I I spent about the next uh, two years, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but I spent pretty much the next two years and kind of trigger warning, um, suicide coming up. Sure. But thinking about how much easier it would be if I could take my life because it would be easier on my parents. They could be at peace knowing I died faithfully in the church mm-hmm. and I was good, I was saved, I'd made it. And I wouldn't have to wrestle with trying to live something I didn't believe in anymore. But And he was totally, yeah. I want to add, he was alone in this trial um, because I had my own stuff going on mental health wise. And he, for whatever reason, did not want to, I guess, burden me with this. Is that accurate to say? It's more of, well, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to drag you down with me. Right. Which is very considerate, considerate of you, but it may, I'm, I'm at, it made it remarkably more difficult for you that you struggled with this by yourself. Yeah. I I felt like I had no one to talk to for sure. And that's, so when I did tell my parents, so I came home that night and, and she listened to that conversation too. And so we came home and we kind of talked about it a little bit and she was faithful and wasn't doubting like me, but was as supportive as a spouse could be. Thank you. Um, I'm going to spend the rest of my life regretting not being more supportive, but there's nothing more you can do. I know. (laughs) And that's, that's the point where I think trying to commiserate with me on like, I was, you know, becoming this like black sheep. That's when I think you were like, Hey, I have this thing to tell you. Yeah. While we're sharing secrets. Um, (laughs) I like women sometimes. Uh, (laughs) and Ben and normally this is like not a good response to have but Ben was like so like because I'm like crying it's like oh yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and he's like I know and I'm like and he's like we notice the same people and I'm like okay mental note I need to get better about not checking out people in public places because that would make me uncomfortable right right. Um, anyway but like and it was just the perfect thing in that moment to say and he has been great and obviously like that's not a side of myself that like on the sexual side it's not a side of myself that I have explored a ton even though Ben has made it clear that he would like me to have space to do that because I am not interested in doing that I'm very 
happy. Okay, without talking about our sex life, that's weird. But um, <laughs> we're very open sexually. Thank you. Like, that doesn't mean that you no, must I, I, be. You. So, but, but feel free. Also, I'm in a straight presenting marriage, so I it, it's like a whole thing for me to figure like figure out like okay like where do I fit in with the community because obviously there's space. I'm in the acronym, but you yeah. know, like obviously there is space for bi people, but what about Mormon bi people who are married to men and present as straight? And that was very, that was a whole other thing. I'm making this about me. Keep going. <laughs> well, I mean, I've made the rest of it about me, so keep going. If you want. <laughs> I mean, I think this episode is about both of you. Yeah, so yeah, I think fair. yeah, we want the space to you. share your experiences. But no, I yeah. uh, just to you know yeah. throw my hat in the ring. Sure. I. At the time when I was married to a man, sure. I present I was con- I considered myself bisexual. Sure, uh, mostly to convince myself that <laughs> my marriage wasn't a sham. It wasn't a sham, <laughs> but it wasn't right. <laughs> um, but like it was, it was really hard for me going to church and hearing people talk about yeah LGBTQ people, yeah. and I'm like I'm right here, but yeah. no one would ever think that just right. because I'm in a straight presenting marriage. Exactly. So I totally understand. It's yeah. really difficult to like parse that with yes. the church so. and it becomes different when you because before you come to turn come to terms with that with that side of yourself is not a phrase that i like sure but like discover that side of yourself mm-hmm. um before that it's like oh you're talking about my friends my queer friends right now yeah and then it becomes oh you're talking about me mm-hmm. and it's it's a mind shift but Ben was very good about it. We watched Pirates of the Caribbean because Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley kiss, and that's like the hottest thing I've ever seen. Fair. Yes. Yeah. I can understand. My sexual awakening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, continue. So faith crisis. Um, me dealing with suicidal ideation. Um, trigger warning. Sorry. Trigger warning. <laughs> anyway. So I was never what I think would be termed like suicidal, but sure. I spent two years thinking about how much easier it would make my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that counts. So we <laughs> spent the last two years um, trying to be as active as we could be, trying to be faithful. Every six months or so, we'd kind of check in on each other. Because like, I think you kind of started to have some dads during this I time. I did, yeah. But also, it was I didn't want to burden you. I was like, I have to be the strong one mm-hmm. if we're going to come out of this on the other side. Yeah. I didn't consider that we could come out of it on the other other side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The yeah. secret other right? side. Right? Yeah. The secret back door. <laughs> yeah. That no one talks about. Yeah. yeah. But when we checked in with each other, it was basically like, like we would be taking a walk and talking about something else. And then there would be like a lull in the conversation. And it was usually me. And yeah. I'd be like, so how are you doing with the church thing? And Ben would be like. I'm fine. And then I'd be like, and then he'd be like, how are you doing? I'd be like, eh, I'm fine. And then we'd just kind of move on. I'd be like, yeah. all right, set my alarm for six months from now. Yeah, yeah. 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 See you in six months. It was like that yeah. phase where we watch conference and listen really intently to the like two like progressive talks yeah. about kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Eubank yeah. and somebody and then yeah. try and ignore all the other problematic yeah. things we heard like yep. someone said something about climate change i think in this last conference like, the church is true right and <laughs> oh my gosh ben and i were just like 
I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just but like I, cherry picking yeah, the yeah, little morsel exactly. that is good. Yeah. Exactly. I totally get that. Though. But I was steadily solidifying kind of in my unbelief. And I was, I was trying to do it all, all like the faithful ways. So like I was still living all the commandments and still uh, was acting in church and going to the temple. And I was trying to deal with it the way that uh, the church teaches. And so I was like, maybe I need to simplify my prayers. And so instead of trying to pray to know if the Book of Mormon was true, I would just pray to like know if God was real or if Jesus was my savior and things sure. like that. And if I was getting answers, it was answers that came in the form of my logic, emotions, and reason all steadily telling me it wasn't true. Um, but otherwise, I wasn't getting answers. And so I remember a point about a year and a half ago where I just prayed and said, I need you to meet me halfway here. And until that happens, I can't do this anymore. And so I I'm tired of going I, 90, you go 10. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Well, Seriously. I'm not kissing God here. <laughs> <laughs> um, God can be a woman. Going. God, God, is, God a woman. is a woman. Yeah, hell yeah. That's what we believe in this house. <laughs> so I, that was like March of, of last year. And then for about six more months, I tried to be this progressive member who was making it work somehow, even though I wasn't even praying anymore. Yeah. And in the fall, you know, probably like November, we went on this road trip through Southern Utah and I'd been kind of burying myself in my job to not have to think about the church. And sure. this road trip was a nice break where I could think about whatever my brain wanted to. And I went to the church and I, um, and I remember we were camping outside of Zion on this Mesa at night and she's already in the tent and I'm sitting in a camp chair, looking up at the stars, listening for no particular reason to the Lion King on Broadway. The Broadway <laughs> soundtrack, it's better. Play oh, yes. 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 I just saw that one at the Eccles Theater. It was so Gosh, good. It's it's good, right? We'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. talk about it after. There's like a few songs that get pretty spiritual. I know. Yes. Um, so listen to that. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I can't pretend anymore. Like, I, I know this isn't true. I know that I, that this is destroying me right meanwhile i'm laying in the tent texting him can you please turn down the the light the hakuna matata <laughs> like can you relax can you yeah, i'm trying to go to sleep <laughs> anyway <laughs> um and so i i kind of i didn't tell carly that i'd kind of made up my mind for a couple more months because i wanted to live normally a little bit longer and so i went through um like Thanksgiving and Christmas one more time with our families mm -hmm. without shaking things up, just in case wanted to have this. one more normal holidays. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then early on this year and it like, there were kind of several things that brought about that timing. It was partly mm -hmm. me realizing that, but also like we were preparing to decide whether we want wanted to have kids or not and sure and it was becoming imminent yeah that yeah that kind of produced yeah. this hard deadline of like yeah. i know that if we decide to have kids i know i don't like i can't in good sure. conscience raise kids in the church mm -hmm. sure. Yes. Sure. and so that's when i came to her and said hey you can do whatever i support you but i can't do this anymore and also i if we have kids i i can't raise kids in the church yeah i, sure. I, can't do I don't this. want them to go to church and he I'm telling you, this man is a prince because he was like, he gave me an out in that conversation. And he was like, no one would blame you if we split up, if we got a divorce. This is like 
this could be a justifiable reason if you wanted to. No one would judge you. No one would judge I would be you. the bad guy. And you can go on and our families will think even more highly of you. Sure. Yeah. And it like I'm getting emotional, but I didn't even consider that. I knew that I wanted to be with Ben more than I wanted to be in the church. And so um, we talked about that. Um, and I was like, obviously, if we have children, like you're my partner, you get an equal say. You're the dad. This is about you, too. Sure. Um, but that kind of him saying I wouldn't want to raise kids in the church kind of acted as a it was a shift in my perspective. And also it was a catalyst because within like a couple weeks, maybe I don't know, soon, quickly, very quickly. Um, I what I, I started thinking about it from an outside perspective. And I thought, would I join this church if I wasn't already in the church? Is this something that I would seek out as a as a never Mormon person? Um, and the answer was sincerely no, like a forceful no. <laughs> I was like, um, uh, my it would basic take like ten seconds of googling to right. decide not to. Yeah, yeah. not even googling, just like being like, oh, um, the church teaches that you shouldn't be able to to be in a relationship with someone of the same gender or be trans or mm -hmm. go into the temple and make lasting covenants if you're black up until 1978, et cetera, I could go on. Yeah. But I was like, no, I, if I believe in God, I don't believe in a God who doesn't want some of his children to come to heaven. Yeah. And of course, like the church, if you said that to a believing member, they would say, of course, Heavenly Father wants all of his children yeah. to come to heaven. There is a place for you. Right. There you just is a have place to for ignore you. who you are. Completely. Right. The church is so good to the gay community, blah, blah, blah. And then I have to go scream in the bathroom for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, it became very apparent once I realized that, that no, I would not join the church if I wasn't already a member it became very apparent how many tentacles the church had <laughs> wrapped mm. around me. And it, it like, it goes all like, it goes all the way to the top. Like, and yeah. when I say that, I mean like every, like it goes back to everything, yeah. my whole life. Mm -hmm. There is not a single aspect of my life that is not touched by the church and will never be touched by the church. Yeah. Anyway, can you, I, I'm just, okay. Well, so yeah, we're like, probably taking longer on our initial story here than no. we planned. No, it's, no, no, you're no. good. We can absolutely do like a two-parter. Right. It's all good. Okay. No worries at but all. But like even putting on my underwear in the morning, because like garments, even putting on my yep. underwear in the morning, I was like conflicted. Am I like, am I betraying God and my pioneer ancestors and my family and everything I've ever known if I put on underwear that's not church issued this morning? And it would like affect me the whole day because like I... This is a lot of information, but like I go to the bathroom during the day and I would be reminded that I'm not wearing garments. Sure. And it was, I was like, oh, I gotta like, yeah. And like for clarification on the timeline there, that is like in the early weeks yeah. after we decided to leave and be done, right? It lasted a few months. Okay. okay. Like, yeah, I think we decided early that year that we wanted to no longer be in the church and that lasted well into spring. I yeah. would say. Okay. Yeah. And it, it would like listening to songs that mention God. Like I just felt like it was all these little tiny things. And my therapist was like, 
he is also an exmo and he, he's like you gotta create the church of carly and you're the only member and you decide what the doctrine is and that oh, doctrine yeah. can change yeah, I like ben that. cannot join the church no one else can join it's just you and that really helps so i'm saying it in case it helps somebody else yeah. but no yeah i love that yeah, yeah me yeah. too and for me, it was like, I mean, I'd already kind of been thinking all these things for several years, but I could finally admit to myself I was thinking them. Things like when you have a church that claims to be the one true church and the thousands of other churches saying that they're the one true mm-hmm. church are wrong. Right. You don't need, like, it's so not arrogant. on you to prove that it's not true. You no. have statistics on your side. <laughs> You're probably right, right to say yeah. that's not true. It's on that church to prove itself. Exactly. And the church isn't doing that. No. Um, and I know that the answer is you have to have faith, but that would apply to all the other churches. Too. Yeah, it's a so cop out. Really right. Yeah. It's such a cop out. It's a platitude. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. I could I could accept the sum of a thousand different unlikely explanations for everything of all the apologetic mm-hmm. answers for why did Joseph Smith have to do this or that or why is there teaching like uh, this teaching that's terrible mm-hmm. or i could accept a single overarching very likely explanation which yeah. is the church is basically just like every other church that is right has its claims and they're not true and it's driven by human nature and but, yeah i could admit that finally and there's that saying like to summarize that if i may there's that saying that I heard on either Grey's Anatomy or House, but it's super good, I promise. It's um, <laughs> when I, and it's, this is in the context of like somebody had like a cold, I don't know. And they're like, oh my gosh, is it Zika virus or what? I don't know what it was. But one of the older doctors turned to the younger doctor and was like, when we hear hoof, hoof beats, we think horses, not zebras, you know, which is to say we, you go with the simplest explanation. Yeah. 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 And the church doesn't teach that. They teach the most complicated answer. They teach that it's like flying zebras breathing fire. Yeah. And also, <laughs> if you don't believe in the flying zebras breathing fire, then you better work on on believing it. Yeah, then it's your fault. Yes. With yeah, actually, it's your fault. Which, with no proof, yeah. too. But yeah, yeah you got to believe it. You, it is your fault if you don't believe in the flying zebras breathing yeah. fire. And if you yeah. don't believe in them, it's your fault if your brother dies of cancer. Oh, yeah, wow. Oh. That's just... Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> That's just a one-two punch, isn't it? Among other things. (laughs) So it it was kind of at that point that, so I had tried not to dive into the history before then. After we decided to leave, I dove into the history. And that kind of leads into the whole white cat prophecy stuff where I started to love uh, learning about the church from a real perspective, you know, diving into its past teachings and things like in context. Right. That was like a point of pride for me. I'm like, neither of us read the CES letter until we decided to leave the church and gave ourselves permission. Like I, someone asked me, they're like, well, like, did you, what made you leave? I'm like listening to conference. (laughs) I didn't need anti-Mormon literature. I had general conference. Yeah. You're like the church talks. Yeah. The church has provided quite enough. Going to leave society. (laughs) My God. Yeah. I did learn pretty rapidly that my pioneer. So on both sides, I have ancestors who were leaders in the church alongside Joseph Smith in the early days who we who our family celebrates as having been Joseph Smith's bodyguards. That's code for Danite, I since learned. Uh-huh. And yeah, independent cool. like research outside of the family sources shows that yeah, at least one of my ancestors was one of the leaders of the Danites who were like 
the hitmen for Joseph yeah, Smith. They yeah, were bad guys. So that that was fun. Cool. But I'll kind of glad that like, that didn't get passed down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. To end like the part here of like my story, I'll just end with like a couple parts of like what I wrote in the letter that I sent to our families. Oh yeah, we sent to we announce I was leaving. Told our families by sending them letters. Um, anyway, continue for context. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> this is just like the the end of the one that I sent. Yes. Okay. Um, so I said, um, I don't know if our desire to do good was instilled in us by God developed through evolution as we experience the benefits of cooperating as a species or any other reason. And I don't care. Uh, to me, there's so much more meaning in the idea of there being right and wrong because I say there's right and wrong than because a cosmic being has decreed it. So I get to be kind to people, not because I'm seeking eternal reward or escaping eternal punishment, but because people deserve kindness. When I inevitably fall short of being the best I can be, I can be at peace that my efforts are sufficient on their own merit, and that I don't need the intervention of a supreme being to make them an in 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 We might disagree on what I've written here, but I support your right to worship the way you believe and ask for your support as I worship the way that I choose to believe. If that means that for a time or the rest of my life, my idea of worshiping God is to be the best person I can be and to make my sphere of influence a little bit better place, then I'm good with that. You're so well written. I love you. Yeah. I'm so attracted to you. <laughs> oh, thanks. Aww. So that was beautiful. Yeah, I, yeah. I, really, I, I really think, and just from everything I've seen, on White Cat Prophecy and everything, I feel like you are really eloquent in how you explain the... Isn't he great? Yeah, like, I just, <laughs> okay, just like the... stop, I'm blushing. <laughs> just like the, the experience of rediscovering yourself outside of the church, I think that's something that um, a lot of people have trouble being able yeah. to put into words, but I feel yeah. like just what you... I was like, man, I mean, I know, I was like, if I was your parent and my kid, like, and you sent me that letter, I'd be like, okay, okay. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Are you comfortable getting into our family's reactions for like the very last, just because sure, yeah. I think it they is, go for it. I mean, that's part of the reason why I was so scared was because I didn't know. And I think it's nice for people to be able to hear that mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. Um, anyway, do you, do you want to, I'll start. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so we waited a few months and picked a weekend and said, we don't have anything going on this weekend and we can be messes if we want to be. So let's pick this weekend. Smart. Um, of course, that didn't stop people from saying this was really inconvenient timing for me. I'm on vacation with my family oh my or God. blah, blah, blah. I don't know. So, so annoying. I, right. Or I wish that you'd done this differently. And I'm like, OK, next time I'm a member of the church for my of a church for my entire life and my family is also members. Next time I do this, I will think of a different way to tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway. My God. Right. Um, my mom, really, and I, I'm sure she still does. We don't talk about it much anymore because I set a boundary. But um, she was very, very upset by it. Um, she said it's one of the hardest things that's ever that she's ever done, that's ever happened to her. And at that point, I was like, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to listen to anyone else talk about how hard this is for them. Oh my God. Yeah. I already have a guilt complex and I don't need that. Yeah. Um, but my dad was wonderful. Um, he was in church leadership positions for a long time and I'm very, um, I feel like that taught him 
a lot. It can go either way. But for him, that taught him a lot. And he just said, I asked him about it like a week later. I was like, are we going to talk about what? Well, um, <laughs> he also comes from a part member family. He does. And yes. Most of his family is not in the church and a yes. lot have left. And I think. And they're all very, very good people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that also made it easier for him to see like it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but my dad i asked him after like a week i was like are we gonna talk about this and he's like well it's not really my business what you believe that's very personal it's it's and we've never really talked about theology before and i don't expect you to talk to me about it now um but it is my business if you're unhappy so please let me know i want to be in the loop if you're unhappy and are you he said are you happy and i said yeah i'm happier than i've obviously like this is very difficult mm-hmm. um but I'm already happier than I've ever been because I'm more true to myself. And he said, that's what I want. That's how I measure my success as a parent is my children's happiness. And I'm like, wow, I love that. Right. I'm like, I want you to teach a class on this. Yeah, really though. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. But yeah, everyone, sorry, you interject here wherever, but like everyone, 90% um, of the members of our family made it about them, which what? I felt at least on my, a lot of them fair. on my yeah. side. Yeah, just yeah. like for the sake my of my siblings are wonderful about it. Of like being fair to the individuals here. Like yeah. I, I feel that's, like there yeah, was that's true. There were only a few that I noticed, at least speaking to me, and I don't yeah. want to sure. like paint everyone with too broad of and a brush. And it's true. I'm making assumptions about what everybody else thought based on the louder portion. Yeah. Um, yeah. like for sure. example, my siblings have all been yeah. fantastic. Um, but like, I would, I had like random family members reach out and be like, why didn't you ever tell me? I'm like the deepest conversation we've ever had was what are you learning in school? Like, I'm not right. going to tell you all of this very personal what, yeah. at the family reunion in the corner. I'm like sobbing like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what yeah. would they tell you just to go pray right. about it? Exactly. You know, what would, and Ben's, <laughs> yeah, this is Ben's mom came to us and she was like, why didn't you ever, first of all, she said, why didn't you ever talk to us about this? And that was enraging, but um, yeah, right. Um, But Do you want to buy a show? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's yours. So like a week after we left, and I'll I'll say this too with the preface of like, she has tried to be as loving and supportive as she knows how. She is a wonderful person. the church programming goes deep. And so that like limits people's ability to do so. And also changes their concept of what it means to be loving and helpful. So I don't, it's, it's hard to hold a lot of this against anybody. Sure. But so she came to us a, about a week after we left and said, here's the thing I can't get past. You know, you didn't consult anyone about this decision. You just up and left. And I said, well, first of all, I tried to tell you like two years ago. And yeah. mm-hmm. need I remind you what you said? <laughs> well, she said, what did we say? That was so offensive. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and, and, you know, she she kind of owned up to those statements but part of it was a key theme of her reaction was oh i can see how that would sound bad from the outside and Hmm. what i got from that is (laughs) you know this wasn't an isolated thing that they said or a moment of of weakness it was it's consistent with church teachings and prophetic teachings and it Mm -hmm. in context of what they believe it almost kind of makes sense to say what they did or at least believe it yeah and that's not to remove them of responsibility for their words, but also it's the root is the church and its teachings. Yeah. Yeah. But I also was like, 
what are you possibly, what do you have to say that's going to change my mind? Because I promise that I have thought about this, this situation. I have thought about it more than you have. Yeah. I, I've studied Mm -hmm. more about it. And also I've watched your reactions to everyone, you know, who's ever left the church and it did not inspire confidence. Mm -hmm. Exactly. No, I think that's the thing is like, um, it's kind of similar to how I grew up and my mom and my dad always said like homophobic things. And I'm like, I'm remembering that. Yeah. And then when I tell them later, they're like, well, I didn't mean it that way. Or, you know, that's not how, you know, I don't remember saying that. I'm like, I don't care what you remember. (laughs) I remember remember. it affected me so deeply that it's, I just think it over and over and over again. So that's what makes the situation so much harder. Right. And it also, I have to remember, because like, if I can make a mental health analogy, if, if somebody wrongs someone else and their mental health has a part to play in that, this might be controversial, but they're still ultimately responsible for that action. Yes, they were influenced and heavily affected by their mental health, um, but you have to be accountable for your actions. And I think that that applies to the church as well. You are affected by the church, um, but you are at the end of the day, This, these are the facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that was a controversial yeah, no, opinion, I, by the way. I, I completely 100%. agree. Thank you. Yeah, no, I think, I think, um, I know people, it's a sensitive topic sometimes. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. No, I think people really use mental health or the church in both, yeah. in both situations yeah. in that analogy. I think they use both of them as just an excuse to not really think about yeah. how their actions and words right. affect people around them. Yes. Cause they're like, well, it's the church, the yeah. church's teachings. Yes. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm right. still hurt. Right. Yeah. And the church's it, teachings well, you should choose people. not to be offended. Oh, yeah. you're yeah. right. Oh my God. You're right. It's my right. fault. <laughs> right. And having been on both sides of that, in both, in both parts of this analogy, yeah. because I for sure was a member of the church who hurt people and sure. said, well, the uns justify the me. Like, I want to like text all of my friends who I ever said and, and be like, I'm so sorry for what I said Which when I was Mormon. Which is <laughs> oh, something that we've done. And it some is, of our yeah. best friends right now actually came from those conversations yeah. of being like, hey, sorry when I mormsplained to you yeah. five years ago. and <laughs> Sorry I when I yeah. did a microaggression. Um, that is my yeah. fault. And I take total ownership yeah. of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's like kind of to go back to your, um, to Ben's comment on the fact that the church doesn't practice what it preaches in terms of repentance. I would 100% be way more interested and faithful of a member to a church that is like, you know what? That wasn't yes. fair. That was prejudiced. Yes. And, you know, and we're changing that now. This is and, what I'm doing to be better. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they're just like, never. Yeah. yeah. We've never done anything wrong. Right. You're offended. That's your problem. Right. We're doing it because God told us. Yeah. But then, yeah. but God will change it every 30 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the most powerful thing the church could do to teach its gospel would be to use its organization mm-hmm. as the ultimate example of, the of how to use the atonement. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They don't, though. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. And I I even... Sorry, going back to the, the topic before, I just want to say one more thing, which is that this is a celebratory thing for us, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is about us. It is not about anybody. Like, yeah. yes, and I might sound like a hypocrite to some people for saying that you need to be accountable for your actions. Yes, our both of our families were hurt by this. Um, but also this is a this is about us and I think that that's appropriate. 
to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, please stop me if I'm wrong and I will reevaluate. But <laughs> this is, and I said that to Ben's parents, I need you to understand that this is, and what I'm about to say is going to hurt you, but this is, I, this is us becoming healthier people and mm -hmm. you should be happy for that. Yeah. 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 Anyway, continue. I'm dropping truth bombs over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love that. I think, um, it's, it's just so funny because obviously like the next topic we're going to talk oh, about yeah. is about, um, you know, the church and homosexuality, but there's yeah. just so much overlap in how they treat people yeah. that leave, whether or not they're gay and gay people. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just, it, all of it infuriates me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm leaving because this is what's good for me. And they're like, yes. well, no, something's wrong with you. And it's the same yeah. thing. Like I'm coming out. And living my truth because that's good for me. And they're like, yes. no, that's wrong. Like, yeah. yeah. And that affects me somehow. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, literally how? Yeah. Do you it want does me to not be happy? You. Yeah. yeah. And of course, if you said that to a church member, they would say, well, I want you to be happy eternally, not temporarily. I'm like. By our, by not by the world's standards. Well, you yeah. don't know true happiness. You don't know true happiness. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many people have said that, uh, who I've heard say that about members of uh, people who aren't in the church. And then. <laughs> Like they'll, I'll be like, your church teaches, like, I'm not explaining this well. <laughs> I've heard them, I've heard them say that about non-members and then we'll be talking about it and I'll, I'll say, well, do you think I'm truly happy? And they'll say, well, yeah, like you have true happiness. I'm like, that's not what your church teaches. That's not what you said two months ago in Sunday school, et cetera. And yeah, that's super petty of me to bring up, but <laughs> I, and also I don't want to be one of those angry Exmos who tries to like convert people to being an Exmo. That's not fair, but. <laughs> oh, I've, I feel like I'm going that way. <laughs> it's just a matter yeah. of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I can't. Yeah. Oh, sorry. As a member, <laughs> when I was a member of the church, I can't think of anything that an Exmo would have said to me that would have like broken my back it mm -hmm. was something that i needed to realize for myself mm -hmm. yeah. oh for sure yeah. and there's that whole question of like you know what does it mean to be an angry bitter ex-mormon yeah and like this yeah, is fine to be I, angry about i'll be I angry if i damn well am please. angry and bitter yeah. and if you knew me solely from the white cat prophecy twitter account you would assume i was this just like <laughs> vengeful person all the time and <laughs> it's a uh, like the kind of thoughts that go into that account are a fairly small part of my life especially sure. at this point it's actually been really good in helping process the anger mm -hmm. but it's you know the best i can find to do i wish i could just like move on and be like i never have to think or talk about this again yeah unfortunately i devoted my life to it for 30 years and yeah. it takes yeah. some unpacking and so yeah the best i can do is make an anonymous twitter account where i can commiserate <laughs> with other ex-mormons right. and when active mormons come into my um threads to argue yeah I can at least just not engage there because I'm not there to yeah. deconvert right. them. It's not, right. It's not. It's not. That's exactly. not the point of your yeah. of your Twitter. You're like I don't care yeah. really what you have to say to me about yeah. this thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Do I hope that they leave the church? Yes. Do I hope sure. the church fades out sake. of existence? Yes. Also, yes. Yeah. Am I gonna go and argue with them and try and force them to read up on Joseph Smith's yeah. sex life? No. Yeah. Right. Because they won't arguing with a stranger on Twitter. Absolutely mm -hmm. not. Yeah. No. And I um that's the reasons that you just explained for your Twitter account is literally the reasons for this podcast. Sure. And it's funny because I was just, we saw my brother this morning and I was like, Oh, did I tell you what mom told me kind of in regards to <laughs> yeah. my public 
um, you know, podcast. Yeah. Uh, kind of, you right. know, it's called the Fruity Horny Exmos podcast. Yeah. So it's not really great, but yeah, for, yeah. for Mormons. But um, she, <laughs> thank you. So, but she, um, it's been a really long process. And I will say this, this message that I'm going to read it really quick. Cause I think it's just like really, mm-hmm. It shows that it is possible for parents to grow because um, yeah. if you would, if anyone yes. ever in my life had ever told me my mom would say anything to this sure. effect, I would have been like, absolutely not. <laughs> she is like, why are you like, why won't you let it go? Basically. Yeah. Um, but she texted me just like randomly. Yeah. Um, I think it was after the first few episodes came out and she said like, as I read some of your posts, I first asked myself why so many involved the church with your decision to have your name removed from the records my thought was then just move on i think i realize now that what you're doing is helping you process your experiences and in turn can help others who feel the same way you do my silence is not disapproval i love you and wanted you to know that wow shocking Mm -hmm. yeah and that's like the deepest thing my mom's ever said to me and i'm almost 30 (laughs) so like but that's been like years of me working on her and like having conversations and like and not talking to her as well (laughs) i've yeah we've gone through so many spurts of like sure no contact do not talk to me i'm not interested in it and so like i just want to preface that like my mom's not always like that that was so shocking to me but i think when people can remove themselves from the, yes. the the hurt that they're feeling right. for whatever reason about things yeah. that don't actually affect them in their daily life. Mm-hmm. They can be like, oh, I can see that my my daughter's so much help, like half, oof, I just did <laughs> combos of those words. <laughs> my daughter is so much healthier and happier right. now than I've ever seen her. And like, right. I feel like she's more herself now than she ha- was before. Yes. But I, like, right. you can't, if you're like, but if her eternal it, her eternal happiness. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I want to be happy today. Yeah. That's it. I don't want to bet my whole life on something that I do not know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. So I just yeah. I can commiserate oh, yeah. with that. If yeah. like it's it's been really nice for us to have a, a space for yeah. us to process our feelings right. about the church and because and kind of like you said, Carly, like it touches every part of your life. Yes. If you were raised in the church you like it's it it's a part of you mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's the mold you were poured into as yeah. a baby like yeah. and then that's just kind of how you are yeah and you don't realize oh, yeah. how much it affects you right until you step away from it and you're right. like wow okay i don't i don't actually know this part of myself or that part of myself and yes. how do i figure that out now and so yes. i think to me i feel like ex-mormons that i have met and just experience, I feel like they're some of the most emotionally intelligent people mm-hmm. because if you can step away right. from what you were raised as and really look at yourself and your daily um, mindsets and emotions and actions and perspectives, like you're going to be able to understand other people so much better if you understand yourself. Yes. And if you can't fathom mm-hmm. <laughs> looking at someone and saying, you know what, what they're doing has no effect yeah. on my yeah. actual life. Right. Then I just, I don't know. I just think everyone could benefit oh, yeah. um, by being ex-Mormon. Well, I think, <laughs> I, I think anger is a very valid part of the grief process. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the time, um, obviously like if you're hurting someone that's bad and this doesn't apply, but a lot of the time emotions that 
society tells us or even that the church tells us are negative or that we should get rid of like anger except mm-hmm. for when jesus flips the table in the temple then it's okay then it's okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right chill but any other circumstance anyway but like anger for example can be very constructive and healing and it's good to feel and you don't need to be ashamed of any emotion that you're having unless of course you're hurting someone don't do that yeah but it's uh, that's one thing that I really learned in grieving the church in grieving the life that I thought the future that I thought I was going to have. Um, because while I am looking to forward to my future more than I ever have, it is an adjustment to step away from that. But in that grief, um, I have learned so much about my own emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, and also I will, in case my family ever finds this, I hope you don't, <laughs> but like, um, I will say like, Our parents, especially, even because we left the church fairly recently, but in the past few months, they have grown tremendously. They have, um, they have owned it and they have given us, for me, I feel like my, my parents, and I won't speak for you, um, but for me, um, like for my mom, for example, she has given me the space that I need. She has, um, taken responsibility for processing her emotions. Of course, she still like asks questions, but like, for example, she, um, like a month ago, she was like, Hey, can I call you sometime and talk about this? I have some questions for you. And of course that filled me with anxiety, but at least I was ready (laughs) and I could clear my schedule for the evening and take a Xanax. (laughs) And we just like got into it and she was wonderful. And I was so appreciative of that once she got past that initial or started getting past that initial confusion, I'll say, Mm -hmm. to encompass. If I was a parent and my child came to me and said, here's who I really am. Yes. And I want to explore that. Yeah. No matter what it was. Yes. Gender, sexuality, church. Yeah. Like. Unless it's murder. Unless it's something that is hurting (laughs) themselves or hurting someone else. Like I would be thrilled that they wanted to share that part with me. Yes. Like, cause I would want to know my child the most that I could. Yes. And of course, and I want to be careful here cause I'm not a parent, but of course, um, once you're in the situation, I'm sure it's different, but that's a a goal that I've set for myself is to be like what you said is to give my child should i ever have any give my child the space to be who they who they are yeah yeah for sure i think it's super important and yes. not not nearly talked about enough in the church it's As, really oh, just yeah. um you know respect your parents on honor, honor thy mother and father yeah. Yeah. you know straight and narrow path yeah so that's cool straight but. And neuropath. <laughs> yes, very yeah, straight. Yeah, it's you. too straight. Well, thank you so much to Ben and Carly for coming on the podcast. It was really a great conversation. And, and I know Maddie and I both really appreciate hearing other ex-Mormons experiences. And I just really love hearing your stories and your feelings and your perspectives and everything that you've been through, even though it sucks, <laughs> but, <laughs> but at least, um, you know, new friends is that's Yay. always fun. <laughs> so we're really excited that you're on our podcast. Um, <laughs> thank you for having us. Yeah, of for having course. Us. Um, we will have a second episode with them where Ben will be going into a church document. Um, reaction. <laughs> yes. So oh, that will boy. be really interesting to hear. But for now, if you want to follow at White Cat Prophecy on Twitter, you'll see really just the 
<laughs> the ex-Mormon rage, commiseration. I that's... see my thoughts in real time. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really interesting, and I'm always, like, reading them out loud to Maddie. So, yeah. I so... know. I check it at work, and I'm like, hey, uh, are you are you okay? Yeah, seriously. And he's like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, perfect. Okay, awesome. Well, for this episode, Carly is going to be giving us our manifestation for the week. So, Carly, go ahead. Thank you. I manifest that everybody who needs to find that secret back door that we mentioned earlier, uh, the secret back door of coming out on the other, other side, I hope that you find that. I hope that you find a flashlight somewhere if you need it. And I hope that you realize that every difficult thing you've ever done has been you. You survived that. You did that. You grew and learned from that. That was you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great manifestation. I think it's not talked about enough of like the strength of you. Yeah. So I loved that. For the strength of you. Yeah. <laughs> For the strength of you. Wait, Amazing. how is that not a thing yet? Honestly, I don't know. Another podcast. If you tweet that, I want credit. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Go check out at White Cat Prophecy on Twitter. And uh, Ben and Carly will be on the next episode. So okay, thanks. Bye. see you later. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. <laughs>